You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Don Guerra. And I'm Nikki Stewart-Ingersoll. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, January 24th, 2022. In today's feature report, WFHB News Director Cade Young spoke with Stephanie Zhang, Bartholomew County and Housing Organizer for Hoosier Action, and Jessica Savage, member leader of Hoosier Action about the ongoing eviction crisis in Indiana. More in today's feature report. Also, coming up in the next half hour, the Bloomington City Council is divided over the number of standing committees. More in your daily headlines. On January 19th, the Bloomington City Council voted on an ordinance establishing an expanded outdoor dining area downtown. During public comment, owner of the Village Deli and Soma Coffee House and Juice Bar, Bob Costello, spoke on behalf of the Kirkwood Community Association in support of the outdoor dining ordinance. We have worked um, diligently with the city, with both Jane Coopersmith and Michael and Adam, to um, thrive and survive uh, during what's been a very trying time. And I do wanna make sure people keep in context that most of the restaurants on Kirkwood and some of the retail would not be open today had we not had the opportunity to have outdoor seating. Um, If we touch base with some of the retail operators, you'll find that some of them had the best year they have ever had um, while the street was closed and people were out and about shopping and walking and conversing and visiting with each other. So I just want to stress the importance of our economic survival and that economic survival also helped the city because you continued to collect tax revenue um, from our businesses. And uh, as someone mentioned earlier, the importance of the service industry to the Bloomington community culturally as well as financially. So I'd just like to sum up to say that I think it's extremely important that we continue this. Um, And I'm actually an advocate, and I'm speaking personally now, not for the Kirkwood Community Association, but I'm an advocate for closing Kirkwood completely and uh, only uh, only having pedestrian traffic allowed. But that's another meeting, hopefully. Councilmember Steve Volan explained that the metered parking on Kirkwood Avenue brings in substantial revenue for the city of Bloomington and advocated for one lane to remain open. He recommended Jersey blocks to ensure the other lane would be safe for pedestrians. Director of Public Works Adam Wason said that using the Jersey barriers would use at least 30 barriers of their inventory of 100. Wason was in favor of using bollards instead. Councilmember Ron Smith shared that he ran a shoe store on Kirkwood and understands why the road would be better as a pedestrian mall. Last Thursday, I was a a guest at the Kirkwood uh, Merchants Association. Also with uh, DBI was there with uh, Ms. Kopic and uh, Mr. Hayes and listened to a really good discussion on um, 
closing Kirkwood. And it was overwhelmingly supported um, by uh, by the all the folks um, you know that were there and and spoke out. And it made me feel real good that uh, you know we, we uh, helped to play a part in it. Um, Kirkwood's just a vital uh, link. It's a vital artery to lifeblood of downtown Bloomington. Uh, I was a merchant on uh, Kirkwood where Kilroy's is. I ran a shoe store there for seven years when I got out of college. And believe me, it's it's really the lifeblood and it, you know, it ser serves this artery from the university downtown and downtown back to the university. It's, uh, it's just really important that we do everything we can to help all the businesses and in the restaurateurs. So um, I'm gonna be supporting it. And um, I think that it's a really good discussion to have that maybe we need to make it a pedestrian mall down, down the road. The ordinance passed unanimously. The council also voted on whether or not to reduce the number of standing committees. This resolution was introduced at the last meeting. The sponsors of the resolution, council members Susan Sandberg, Suze Gambaluri and Jim Sims said that it will eliminate the public's confusion surrounding government deliberation and would ensure all members of the Committee of the Whole are working together on ordinances. Council Member Matt Flaherty introduced an amendment that would ensure the Climate Action and Resilience Standing Committee remains due to its ongoing work that he said the Committee of the Whole does not have enough time to dedicate to considering our climate emergency. The ordinance to dissolve the administration, community affairs, housing, public safety, sustainable development, and land use committees passed with a five to four vote. The amendment to retain the Climate Action and Resilience Standing Committee passed nine to zero. The next city council meeting will be on January 26th. In today's feature report, WFHB News Director Cade Young spoke with Stephanie Zhang, Bartholomew County and housing organizer for Hoosier Action, and Jessica Savage, member leader of Hoosier Action, about the eviction crisis facing Indiana residents. Zhang and Savage are currently at the State House in Indianapolis testifying for tenants' rights. We turn to Cade Young for more. So Stephanie Zhang, Bartholomew County and housing organizer for Hoosier Action, and Jessica Savage, member leader of Hoosier Action, thank you for coming on to the WFHB Local News. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. We're really grateful. Well, thank you for being here. Um, you guys are at the State House right now about to testify for tenants' rights. Um, but first of all, before we get started, would you just explain what Hoosier Action is and how you are involved with the organization. Absolutely. So Hoosier Action, we're a statewide member-led grassroots organization based in small towns and rural communities. 
it really focused on issues that everyday people are experiencing in the state. So things like housing, things like the overdose crisis, like childcare, and not having clean air to breathe. Hoosier Action is, we're largely based in Southern and Central Indiana, but over the last year have moved across the state and we have members across all 50 state Senate districts. And uh, we've been working at the legislative session on a set of issues that really have impacted our community that we work in. And for us, like we're on the housing team, we're really focusing on the issues that tenants have been facing in the state for not just the past two years in the pandemic, but for the past like decades. I got into Hoosier Action because I'm really passionate about homeless prevention and our at-risk individuals in our community and our at-risk youth. And I work with community engagement and I work with outreach, community outreach to enrich resources for those that are struggling and those that need active attention right now to be able to get services and try to get them placed in housing that is safe, affordable, and mostly clean and, and sanitary uh, living conditions. That's what we're really looking for, for people in our communities. Absolutely. Well, thank you for walking me through what you do at Hoosier Action and, and how you sort of got involved. Now, you said you you deal with housing and, and tenants' rights. So speaking of tenants' rights, you helped organize Tenants' Day of Action at the State House to improve renters' rights that happened last Thursday. So tenant advocates like yourselves are calling this pandemic an eviction crisis. So just walk me through this crisis and, and maybe how it unfolded. We have been in the eviction crisis since the pandemic has started. Our state, Indiana, is the number one state for evictions in the country since the pandemic. That to me is insane and so utterly unacceptable. People have been getting evicted in the middle of a global pandemic when folks couldn't work or when folks were sick, like Jessica said. And there are few, like very few protections in Indiana for tenants when it comes to being able to live in affordable, safe housing. And unfortunately, like we live in a state where there are so few protections and rights for tenants that tenants fear speaking out to the landlords for in fear of like retaliation and in fear of getting evicted. And we're one of the only states where, you know, if you live in substandard housing conditions and conditions that are safe and uninhabitable, you can't withhold rent of any kind. I think we're one of five states that doesn't have that right for tenants. And there are like just very few pathways for tenants to like seek mediation. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they just end up getting evicted, kicked to the street. They're kicked to the street with no voice. They feel powerless. Unfortunately, a lot of them have to get rid of everything they have. And then we see a lot of them come to the engagement center or we see them come to other organizations for help, um, whether that be churches or things like that, to try to at least get a sleep room or or some type of funding to help them try to find another place. But when you have an eviction here in Indiana, it is impossible, almost impossible to get rented to. If you have anything on your record, it is it is basically impossible to get find any type of at least clean, stable, sanitary housing that's not afflicted with, you know, mold or water damage or infestations or 
you know, bug problems that we deal with. And these tenants, you know, if they speak up for themselves, they are threatened and intimidated and then basically told, you're going to be put in the same situation. You can get out, you know. So basically, we got these slumlords flipping people for their their deposits and then kicking them out a month or two later. This is just unacceptable. And I will say that our housing work at Hoosier Action, it came out of a set of conversations we did over the summer. I knocked on doors within the community. We did hundreds of surveys about what, you know, Hoosier families were most afraid of and like experiencing at the moment. And the thing, the number one thing that I heard over and over again was struggling to access safe, quality, affordable housing. So that's really what like our housing, where our housing works emerged from. And since then, have talked to so many folks who have struggled to get housing because of their evictions record. The other thing was our elected officials have, I think they've like taken some note of this crisis that we're in, and we got millions of dollars for our state's rental relief program, Indiana Emergency Rental Assistance Program, and that, you know, is what we've seen as one of the only things that's keeping people housed is like actually getting getting rental relief and getting funding to pay for rent, but also seeing landlords not accept it. I've also seen it, you know, being so slow to roll out and women not being willing to wait and then still getting affected because of it. And Jessica, I wanted to turn it back over to you if you feel comfortable talking about this. Um, but you are a Columbus resident who has faced some hard challenges as a tenant. So it, again, if you feel comfortable, would you walk me through your experience with your landlord and how this eviction crisis has affected you personally? For me, I I am actually not only just a a disabled single mother here in Bartholomew County. Um, I also work in the recovery community, and I work with a community peer support. I do community outreach with people that are homeless. I also work with people that are individually struggling in crisis with um, because of the different you know struggles that we have um, through uh, recovery, and I do crisis calls too um, to help those survivors. Um, I'm an, I'm myself am a domestic violence survivor. Um, I moved here. Um, I left a domestic violence relationship in Ohio and fled to Indiana with my son in 2018. And there I was forced out of my home and I had to choose between homelessness or getting an eviction on my record, uh, being a, a, you know, a victim of crime. After fleeing, I suffered a violent attack by my abuser and had to have neck surgery. So I was in pretty rough shape when I came to Indiana with my son after being referred to a domestic violence shelter here. But unfortunately, after 10 days, um, hun, my son was taken from me by DCS. They tried to accuse me of being a drug user and a drug abuser, but because of my neck surgery meds, it was the most awful and the most traumatic, but not only for me, but also my son. I was homeless for four months. I lived in a homeless shelter, but you can only be there from nine to six. In those hours, you can't be there. I slept under bridges, bushes, kind of dark areas where I couldn't be found. So I stay safe because I'm a woman on the street. And the only way I got through this was being persistent and kind of applying to every single apartment all the time and being that squeaky wheel to try to get the oil because I just wanted my son back that bad. But you know, some of the waiting lists were four years for some of these apartments. 
the, my waiting list for to try to get on Section 8 was two years. Every time I go in, they kind of judge you. They look at you and they're like, you're humiliated because you don't look clean. You don't look like the typical, you know, tenant. So finally, I was able to get help through rapid rehousing through human services. And, you know, I went ahead and did that. So right now, I'm really proud of myself. But what I know, it's just way too hard for everyday people to get stable housing now. Well, Jessica, I'm so sorry for what you, you've had to go through. And I just, I really empathize with your situation. And thank you for sharing that. Well, right now, it's kind of like a little bit of peace of mind that I have a roof over my head. But, you know, there's been a bug infestation. As soon as I moved in, it was like two months later, there there was bed bugs in my apartment from another tenant. and I brought it to their attention and it was, I've been battling that three years now. I'm talking about three rounds of, a, of furniture and treatment during this pandemic and being a disabled single mom, trying to move all that and get it all done. They start, once they got back, basically they weren't around. There's no maintenance, no landlord on site, nothing. And then they go and, you know, bring down the hammer. The corporate brings down the hammer and starts, saying it was my fault and guess what we're going to give you seven days to vacate because you know you did this and I'm like no I didn't this has been a problem for a while that's kind of what I'm up against now and I'm I'm fighting for everybody because when I look at those people at the community engagement centers I see those souls that are lost that need help just to find stable housing this is why I'm passionate about what I do this is why I'm here you know what I mean not just for me but for them Absolutely. And thank you again, Jessica, for, for sharing your story. And, you know, speaking of stories, Indiana residents shared their experience at the State House last Thursday about this eviction crisis. And I believe that included you, Jessica. And I was just curious, you know, between the both of you, while they shared their stories, what commonalities did you notice among those who were affected by the eviction crisis? Pain, suffering. Pain, suffering, feeling powerless was the biggest thing I felt. I felt such a sense of powerlessness with each individual that talked. And then I, I felt sense of hope in other individuals that just want to see this change. They want to see it better. They want to see their communities built back up. And that was the biggest thing I took away from Thursday was just powerlessness, but together we can be a voice of power with the right legislators behind us to actually support this bill, Senate Bill 230. I think that it's just, that was the narrative and what I got from um, Thursday. It was really powerful. And I really want to thank Ross Foundation for really putting this together along with all of us. And you spoke of powerlessness, right? That was a commonality you noticed among these people who shared their personal experiences and so if you look at the opposite of powerlessness, you talked about empowering, right? So how do you hope to empower tenants during this crisis facing residents? You mentioned a, a Senate bill. Um, what are some other legislative measures you would like to see or just general work you could do as Hoosier Action to help empower tenants during this crisis? The one thing I know is the only way we can change anything, not just in our communities or in our state or in the world. It's the only way to do that is by bringing more people together and demanding for better. That means like bringing tenants together, bringing families together, bringing families from 
all across the state, whether we're white, black, or brown, whether we're from rural or urban areas, and coming like coming together and like acknowledging the struggles and the issues that we all face, and coming together and like demanding for better from our elected officials, and that looks like this this year at the legislature there are some bills we have our eye on like jessica mentioned senate bill 230 that has language to enforce um, habitability standards there are other bills around evictions expungements um, for particularly for eviction filings that didn't even end up in actual expungements um, and those are senate bill 233 and there's also um, one in the house House Bill 1214. And even, you know, with these bills this session, we're not stopping here. This is going to be a years long fight to, to make sure that tenants have the protections and rights that we need in order to like find and keep safe, stable housing in our state. Now, I know uh, we're bumping up against time here and I had plenty more questions for you, but I wanted to give you the last word here before we part ways. Is there anything else you would like to add before we sign off? I would just like to tell people that once you learn and once you get the knowledge of your own rights, knowledge is power and that power can empower you to move forward and be, we all need that empowerment from each other to move forward. We all need that knowledge of what is going on in these bills so we can all work together as a team and like Stephanie said, no matter what culture, where you're from, you know, black, brown, white, yellow, whatever state, whatever, you know, state of mind you're in, we can do this together. We just have to be on the same page. And I hope that legislators actually listen to this. I think, I mean, the only thing that I will say is just that, like, housing, like having a safe, stable roof over your head is such a basic human right. Like, it really is the foundation to everything else in our lives, like whether it's finding opportunities, living, you know, being able to a normal life, having a normal life, right? Having like education, everything go comes back to being able to have that stable foundation. And like, that's all that we are after right now. And stable and safe housing. That's it. Stable and safe housing. Yeah. And that's what all Hoosiers deserve. So that's yeah. what we're fighting for. Well, Stephanie Zhang, Bartholomew County Organizer for Hoosier Action, and Jessica Savage, Member Leader of Hoosier Action, thank you for speaking with us on the WFHB Local News. Thank you so much, Cade, and thank you so much for having us. We are so grateful. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young. Kite Line is produced by Mia Beach. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Nikki Stewart-Ingersoll. And I'm Don Guerra. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 